This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, which you can find Wednesdays at relicradio.com. And while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts, thousands of other old-time radio episodes to listen to, and everything else Relic Radio. You can donate through the website as well if you'd like to help support us. And my thanks to those who have. We'll begin our hour this week with the adventures of Michael Shane. We'll hear the ghost of Moccasin Hill from April 9th, 1945. After that, it's Matthew Slade, Private Investigator, and Find Julie Raiden, his episode from May 21st, 1965. The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton motor oil, Union Oil Company, present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. As a loyal native of San Francisco, Mike Shane would like to solve all his cases right inside the city limits. However, this is not one of those times. Right now, Mike and his assistant, Phyllis Knight, are a two-hours drive east of the city by the Golden Gate. Also right now, Mike is on the long-distance phone talking to, you guessed it, Inspector Faraday. No, no, Faraday. Moccasin Hill. It's a little town on the highway east of Stockton. Oh, I remember it now. That's where a rich old man Kilgallen died last month. Right, right. They said his house was haunted and somebody frightened him to death. Yeah, that's what his daughter said. She tried to get us to investigate. Listen, Mike, you're not getting roped into that, are you? <laughs> Inspector, right now I'm sitting in the chair where they found the corpse. Oh, Mike, you're not dizzy enough to think a ghost killed him? It was heart failure. Uh, maybe. I've uh, just been talking to the daughter. It looks like somebody's been trying to give her the business, too, like dropping a flower pot on her head. So you call long distance to tell me that? No, no, Inspector. Look, I want you to find out if a Mr. John Himes of Boston, Mass., was in San Francisco four weeks ago. One of your boys can check the hotels, trains, and airlines. John Himes, Boston. Well, it's a waste of time, but for you, Mike, okay. And look, phone me back at Moccasin Hill, 193. Got it. Oh, Mike. Yeah? Don't look now, but I think there's a ghost behind you. What? <laughs> oh, that guy. Mike, the inspector giving you the Bronx cheer, Mike? Yeah, darling. Oh, uh, Miss Kilgallen, one thing more about uh, your cousin, John Himes. Did you two ever quarrel about your father's estate? Why, no, Mr. Shane. There's no reason for you to suspect John. He's the only other heir, but he'd never kill father or try to remove me, I'm sure of it. Besides, Mike, he lives in Boston, 3,000 miles away. But he makes frequent visits to the coast. Miss Kilgallen just finished telling us that. I'm sorry. Well, what do you say we have a look around the house now, huh? I want to know where the ghost hangs out. Well, as I said, Mr. Shane, they found my father here in the living room, in the chair you were just using. Mm-hmm. What's this next room? Father's hobby room. Oh, he kept his photographs and guns and hunting trophies in here. Oh, mm-hmm. jeepers. He had plenty of them. Deer heads, mountain lions, fox. And they're terribly old. Father wasn't strong enough to hunt in his last years. He had to content himself with his guns. Mm-hmm. The collection covers a whole wall. You know, it's funny, but this room seems much more worn and older than the living room. It is. Granddad built the house back in the 1860s. Hmm? The other rooms were added on around it. Wow. Father tried to keep the old part as it was. Mike, look. Hmm? Look, here's a souvenir of early California. Yes. A poster giving the schedules of the Wells Fargo stages. Really? Yes, oh, Moccasin Hill was right on the old stage route. Oh, that long pistol you see above the fireplace, that was used by Black Miguel to hold up the stages. Oh? Hey. Hmm? What in heaven's name is that? <laughs> Sounds like a lost soul, doesn't it? Oh. Scared me the first time I heard it. It's just an owl in the chimney up in the attic. <laughs> atmosphere, Angel. Oh. Atmosphere. Every well-run haunted house has an owl in the attic. Now, Miss Kilgallen, I was just noticing the odd shape of this room. Half of the ceiling is so much lower than... That's because Father tore down the partition. On the other side, it was a secret room. We had several secret rooms, just like a movie set. Last year, Father tore out all the sliding panels and made them into perfectly honest rooms. Well, your granddad must have been a queer old duck. Somehow I can't picture a girl like you living in this curiosity. I don't intend to. Especially not after Father's... Well, anyway, it's too far from college. Uh, Miss Kilgallen, you said you were away at school when your father died, huh? Yes. I'll sell the place as soon as I get a fair bid. 
I don't know. Maybe Cousin John will take it. He wrote me that he'd like to if I'd sell for $20,000. Twenty? Oh, well, that's ridiculous. It's worth much more than that. Which is why I suspect Cousin John. Well, now, come on. Let's go outside again. I want to take another look at that busted flower pot. All right. We can go through the carriage door here. Look. Look, Mike. Who's mm-hmm. the old character in the straw hat? What? Hey, wait a minute. He's sweeping up the flower pot. Hold on, hold on, partner. Oh, here's the gardener, old Dick. Oh, what's he? You talking to me, young Yes, pillar? sir. Yes, sir. Just leave the pieces of the flower pot right there, huh? We want them for sentimental reasons. Well, Miss Kilgallen always told me to keep things spruce. It's all right this time, Dick. You weren't here yesterday, and you don't understand. By the way, sir, uh, how long have you been gardening oh, here? Three, four months, I reckon. You wanting a handyman? No, no, I was just wondering... Do you, uh, know anything strange about this house? I mean, like, being haunted? Of course it's haunted. You don't know who by, but I vomit ain't no place I'd hanker to live. I told Mr. Kilgallen... Did he think it was haunted? Of course he did. The hands got him, too. <laughs> they'll get everybody. You just listen a spell. You'll hear footsteps without no feet and moanings and things. That's uh... true enough, but they're not from the spiritual world. Ah, let me see. The flower pot fell from this balcony directly overhead. Yes. It it couldn't have just happened. The pot was too big and heavy to jiggle off the railing. Yeah, but you saw no one push it. I wasn't looking up. It was warm yesterday afternoon, and I was watering the geraniums here. Just as I stooped over, it came down crash. Two seconds earlier, it would have crushed your skull. I think I'll climb these stairs and give the balcony a once-over. Hey, hey, you be careful, Mike. Don't push another pot down on us, huh? You're giving me ideas, my darling. Mike, get out! What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Mike! Oh, Mike, are you hurt? Baby, that was a close call. If I hadn't grabbed the railing... Well, Mike, the steps just gave way under you. They're rotten. No, no, Angel, no, sir. They were meant to give way. Look at the underside of this next step. Huh? Mike... Why, that sawed halfway through. Yes, evidently the ghost of Moccasin Hill wants company. In just a moment, we'll rejoin Mike Shane and Phyllis Knight in their adventures. As your car gets older, its bearings wear down. The bushings enlarge and the joints and fittings loosen up and rattle. This means that lubrication becomes increasingly important in relieving friction and protecting worn parts against extra shock and strain. And since even the latest cars are now almost four years old, no one can afford to take a chance on a careless grease job. That is why the Union Oil Minutemen take such pride in stop-wear lubrication. Each job of stop-wear lubrication is performed so carefully and accurately, it is guaranteed in writing. When your car receives stop-wear lubrication, you can be sure that only the finest, high-quality greases are used throughout. And you can also be sure that each fitting and bearing will be thoroughly lubricated according to the manufacturer's specifications. While your car is on the hoist, the Minutemen will inspect out-of-sight points and check them for danger signs. So, ladies and gentlemen, for smoother, safer driving... Ask your Union Oil Minuteman for Stopware Guaranteed Lubrication. Stopware is an exclusive process available only at Union Oil Minuteman stations. Remember, Stopware Lubrication is guaranteed. Mike and Phyllis are still searching through the ancient house on Moccasin Hill, stalking the ghost who throws flower pots and designs collapsing staircases. Right now, they are interrupted by a new arrival. Why, Mr. Patton, won't you come in? Thank you, Miss Kilgallen. I happened to see your car in the driveway, and I thought I'd stop in a moment. I'm glad you did. Oh, I want you to meet some friends. This is Mr. Shane and Miss Knight from San Francisco. Oh, how do you do? How do you do, sir? Mr. Patton? Mr. Patton was my father's attorney. He's handling the estate. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's in that regard, Miss Kilgallen, that I'd like to talk to you. Could we uh, go into the living room? Certainly. You too, Mr. Shane and Miss Knight. All right. I thought it might be better if we talked alone. Oh, I have no secrets, Mr. Patton. And I think Mr. Shane may want to ask you some questions about father. Uh, Strictly in the line of duty, Mr. Patton. I've been retained to uh, investigate Mr. Kilgallen's death. Well, my dear girl, you're wasting your money. Your father died of heart disease. Perhaps, but... What was it you wished to see me about? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Miss Kilgallen, I've thought it over, and I'm now prepared to offer you $22,500. I think that's a generous sum indeed for this property. I'm sorry, Mr. Patton. You know that Father put over twice that much money into the place, 
and it has historic value. Uh, may I ask why you want to buy it? Why, that's obvious, sir, to live in. It won't be easy to dispose of with her father's death and certain rumors about the property. I think I'm doing her a kindness. I'll answer it. These uh, rumors, Mr. Patton, did this girl's father tell you anything that would bear them out? Well, Mr. Kilgallen was an ill man, sir. He had a rather morbid turn of mind, of course. It's for you, Mr. Shane, San Francisco. Oh, oh, that's Faraday. Excuse me, please. Hello, Inspector. You did? Well, well, a pat on the old back, my boy. Uh Uh-huh. Right now? Okay, hold him there. Or, Or better still, bring him out here. Oh, I see. Then I guess he's out of reach by now. No, 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 nothing much, Inspector, except that you uh, almost lost your best pinochle partner. <laughs> well, the ghost pulled a staircase out from under me. Don't worry, I'm watching out. But uh, thanks for trying, Faraday. No hits, no runs, no ball game, huh? Mr. John Himes was registered at the Palace Hotel at or about the time the old man died. He also registered there just two days ago. Mike, you were right. And checked out this morning. Destination unknown. Even so, I'm sure you're wrong, Mr. Shane. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mr. Kilgallen, I take it you're rejecting my offer? I'm afraid I must. Well, very well. It's been a pleasure to meet you, sir. Thank Uh, you. And Miss Knight. Thank you. Oh, I almost forgot. I found you a new gardener. His name is uh, Fred Norman. I brought him along with me. He's right outside. But I can't fire poor old Dick. You won't have to for a day or two. Uh, I'll need both men to help me on a little job. Oh, very well. You'll find Fred waiting at the back door. Uh, Good day. Good day, sir. Mike, Mike, what are you up to? What job? Are we staying here? Not so loud, honey. I haven't any job for him, but I think Mr. Patton has. Oh, you mean this new gardener is a spy, huh? I mean. Well, we'll give him something to prick up his ears about. Okay. Miss Kilgallen... I want a tape measure, the longest you can find, please. What on earth for? Something tells me your ghost haunts a very secret room. We're going to find that room by yard, feet, and inches. I dropped it again. Well, hold on to it, honey. It's a tape measure, not a snake. Oh, quiet. I'm tired, Mike. We've spent over two hours measuring this house, every room, every hall, every closet. We haven't found a thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, the hall is 50 feet three, uh, 53 feet long. Now, Miss Kilgallen, what did we find in the living room? Let's see. It's on this other paper. It says here 30 feet. 30 feet. And the gun room next to it? 14 feet each way. That totals 44 feet plus one foot for the wall. That's it. Yeah, sir, there's eight feet missing. Fine, fine. How do we get into this secret room? By pickaxe? Come on, come on, into the gun room. But, Mr. Shane, uh, Father knew all our secret rooms. He had them all open. Well, he didn't know about this one, or maybe he just lost count. Okay, now, honey, you take the far end of the wall, and I'll start at this end. There's got to be a hidden spring or something. Now, pound every inch of the woodwork. All right. It doesn't sound hollow. Well, that's why nobody suspected it. Come on, use some muscle, honey. You're just playing patty cake. Listen, Mike, Shane, I haven't got calluses on my knuckles. Uh, Mike! Huh? Mike, this panel, it moved. What? This is it, kids. It it, it only moved an inch or so. I'll pull it open. There. (gasps) There you are. It's dark as a coal bin inside. I'll strike a match. Good. Now we shall see what we shall see. Look! Isn't that an old table and, and a chair? Well, what's more important, a candle. We can get some real light. Yeah, that's better. Uh, oh, honey. It's dusty in here. Well, sneeze the other way. You almost blew these off the table. Blew what off? These papers here. Newspaper clippings. Oh, they're so old, they're brown. Well, what on earth are they doing in here? I don't know. They're printed in old-fashioned type. Must be 60 or 70 years old. Hold on here. Hold on. Miss Gilgallen, what did you say the name uh, was of that stage robber? You mean Black Miguel? Yeah. Here, read this. Maybe this will mean something to you. Driver Billy Pringle reported to the sheriff that on Wednesday night his stage broke down at Moccasin Hill. Pringle took the express box to the Kilgallen house. Hey, that's your grandfather. I remember hearing some sort of story. Go on, reading. During the night, Black Miguel assaulted the driver. As he attempted to flee with a small fortune, Mr. Pringle shot and killed him. The express box, however, was not recovered. 
The authorities are now searching. You know, this sounds like something out of Treasure Island. <laughs> you can say that again, honey. Here, here's a diagram with everything on it except dig at the foot of the crooked pine tree. Yeah. Hey, Mike, hmm? that paper's almost new. Well, it would have to be. The handwriting is my father's. Well, then he did know about this room. Yes, and he must have spent plenty of time in here. Candle drippings all over the table. You know, there's something funny about them. You notice how heavy the dust and grit is on the table? Yet when I rub my finger over the wax spots... There's nothing... no dust on them. They're fresh. Yeah. It's Shane. It's the living room wall. Somebody else wants in. Blow out the candle. We'll leave it. I don't see anybody. Wait till I push this panel back. Mike. Mike, you're not going to use your gun. Come on, follow me into the living room quietly. Hands in the air, mister. Huh? What? Well, Fred Norman, the gardener. Get that gun away. You ain't got no call of... We heard you pounding that wall. What if it was? Fella can knock the ashes out of his pipe, can he? Yeah, but you're a gardener. What are you doing in here? I was looking for my skill gown. I wanted to know about the rose bushes. But I guess I don't want to work here at all. What was that? The hmm? front door. Hey, don't you answer the door in this house? That's Faraday. Inspector Faraday. Well, since when is Moccasin Hill your bailiwick? Oh, I guess I'm just an old maid. Got to worrying about your neck. Not that I wouldn't like to bust it myself sometimes. Well, I'll save it for you, just for you, Daddy. Here, here. No, all kidding aside, Faraday, there's something going on here which ain't done with mirrors. I'll say not. We found a secret room, papers telling of a stagecoach robbery 70 years ago, a map of where the treasure's buried. Plus rapping noises, hot and cold running spooks, anything you want, we got it. Uh Uh-huh, yes. Has your cigarette tasted different lately? No, we mean it, Inspector. Somebody's putting on a spook act to frighten people away from here, even if it means killing people. Somebody wants the old express box, and he's willing to kill people to get it. Yeah, right out of this morning's comic strip. Ghost turns out to be an ex-pirate with a peg leg. All right, don't take our word for it. Come on, we'll show you the secret room. Now watch. I'll press this wall panel here, and... Well, I'll be... See, Inspector? Stoop as you go in, or you'll bump your noggin. Any light switch in here? No, there's a candle on the table. I'll light it. Well, you weren't kidding. No, not this trip. Now, here are the papers I was talking about. Mike. Hey, wait a minute. The papers. Mike, they're gone. Come on, now. We mean business, Fred. Come on, hand over those papers. We know you got them. I don't know nothing about any papers, and I don't know nothing about any secret room. You're lying. Patton brought you here. He hired you to steal them for him. What's more, you ain't no gardener. Old Dick can tell you that. Don't know a shovel from a hole. I'm leaving right now. I wouldn't work here for no kind of money. You're staying right here. You're not to leave this property, you understand? Maybe I won't, and maybe I will. Don't trust that feller. If it's all right with you folks, I'll kind of follow him around. Keep my eye on him. Good idea. But let him do anything he wants. He'll tip his hand yet. Well, I don't see why you didn't search him for the missing papers. It's useless, honey. He's smart. He's already hidden them somewhere. Seems to be, Mr. Shane. This is all beside the point. I wanted you to find out if my father was murdered. That's impossible for any detective, miss. No one saw him die. He's been dead for days when he was found. Karn only made a rough guess when it happened. I think we can establish the time, Faraday. We were looking at the old gentleman's diary. It's here on the desk. Father was very religious in keeping up his diary. He wrote down everything he did. The final entry was made on the 17th of last month. Here it is. Quote, rained all day. Afternoon spent cleaning and oiling all my guns. Had to fix the pin on the derringer. Ah, that's a pistol, isn't it, Mike? Mm Mm-hmm, it's a short barrel, heavy caliber, darling. Just a minute. The derringer. Oh, what about it? Well, Father always kept it on top of the bookcase. It's gone. Probably forgot to put it back after he fixed it. Yes, but getting back to the diary, these are his last sentences. Heard the noises again. It laughed and moaned. Next time it happens, I'll... And there he stopped. Right in the middle of a sentence. Oh, that front door. You'd think this was a housewarming. As I see it, Faraday, the old fellow heard something again. He stopped writing, got up, went into the living room to check up. Whatever he saw or heard stopped his heart. Mm. He was found in the chair by the telephone. I thought you were acting for me. What? Hey, what goes on? Well, I'm just as surprised as you are. This is John Himes, my cousin. The fellow from Boston. Well, sir, I'm very happy to meet you. My name is uh, Mike Shane. Oh, yes. Mr. Patton said you were investigating, looking me up. I understand you were in California last month about the time Mr. Kilgallen died. Yes, I was. And you're here now. Why? On business. I came up to see Patton about buying this property. I wrote to my cousin and to him as her attorney and made an offer. Now I find Patton is trying to buy the place himself. 
And uh, in case you didn't succeed, Mr. Patton, you hired Fred Norman, the fake gardener, to steal those papers from the secret room. I don't know what you're talking about. Mr. Himes, what is your interest in this property? We understand you live in Boston. Well, my firm is transferring me to San Francisco. I'd like to have a country home. Uh, just what is your business? <laughs> I can see you're suspicious. Perhaps you'd rather look at one of my cards. Well, it wouldn't hurt. Here you are. Thank you. Hmm. Investment banking. Uh, Michael... Inspector, hmm? could yeah. I see you alone a moment? Can't it wait, honey? No, it'll just take a minute. Oh, all right. Excuse us, please. Uh, come on. Let's go into the living room, huh? You look as wise as the Sphinx, Phil. You solved the case? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Now, this is it. I was standing right next to Himes, Mike, when he took out his wallet to give you that card. And? Well, there was an envelope tucked into a pocket of the wallet. Airline tickets. But the name written on the envelope said Gene Powers. Gene Powers? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't add up, honey. The girl introduced him as her cousin. She said John Himes. She said, do we have to believe her? I'm going to phone headquarters. Gene Powers may have a record. No, no! What's that? No. Oh, Good heavens! It's outside. Come on, quick. <coughs> the front door's open. Yeah. Mike. Mike, look. Mike in the driveway. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, cross off one suspect. Ooh. Attorney at law, Stephen Patton. And add another. I just saw somebody on the balcony. Hmm? Who? Who did you see? Ellen Kilgallen. We'll rejoin Mike and Phyllis in just a moment. If you ever had a jack slip when you were changing a tire you get a pretty forceful demonstration of how much a car weighs. Now, all that weight rests directly on the wheel bearings. And as you travel, those wheel bearings must revolve rapidly and still support the heavy weight of the car. Because of this concentrated pressure, and because they're also liable to damage from brake dust, grit, and water, front wheel bearings need the best possible lubrication. Failure to keep these bearings properly lubricated may result in expensive repairs, requiring parts now hard to get. Your neighborhood Union Oil Minuteman knows this. That's why he takes such pains to do a thorough job of lubricating front wheel bearings. First, he washes out all the old grease and dirt with solvent. Then the bearings and races are individually cleaned until they are dry and shiny. Finally, the clean, polished bearings are replaced in the races. Then, with special equipment, every surface is snugly packed in a thick coating of Union Oil wheel bearing grease. Then your front wheels are all set for months of well-lubricated, easy rolling. The cost for the entire service of your front wheel bearing assembly is nominal. So for safer, easier driving, just stop in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask for Union Oil's front wheel bearing service. Thank you. A second man has died at the strange old house in Moccasin Hill. While Phyllis telephones for the local police, Mike and Inspector Faraday are in the gun room questioning four uneasy people. Now we know what we're talking about. One of you here in this room killed Steve Patton because he knew too much or because he was double-crossing you. Miss Kilgallen, we'll start with you. What were you doing upstairs in that balcony? Why, I... I heard the shot, and I ran out to see what happened. Oh, that's no answer. When we left this room, you and your cousin were with Patton. Now, why did you go upstairs? To get Father's old watch for John. Father left it to him in his will. Does that satisfy you? Maybe. And you, Mr. Himes, where were you when the shot was fired? Why, I was following Ellen upstairs to get the watch. Is there anything wrong with that? No, no, I guess her cousin is entitled to the heirloom. But not a guy named Gene Powers. Well... <laughs> oh, so that's it. <laughs> Sharp eyes, Mr. Shane. The credit... Goes to Miss Knight. Well, it's quite innocent, really. Gene Powers is a friend of mine, and he had a plane ticket for New York tonight. He couldn't get away, so I'm using his priority. We'll check on that. You, Fred Norman. I was in the kitchen eating. Can't send a man to jail for swiping a chicken wing. You were watching him, Dick? Yes, sir. He wasn't even in the room. Oh, I was watching you through the hall door, okay. just waiting for you to do something. Okay, okay, okay. Now we're going to ask all of you to empty your pockets. Each one put his stuff in a pile on this table. What for? We're asking the questions. Start digging. I know what you're up to. Looking for the gun that killed him. No, the murderer saved us that trouble. He put it right back where he got it. The Derringer there in the bookcase. Why, yes, it's back. All right, Mr. Himes, now let's see what you've dished out. Handkerchief, penknife, billfold, notebook, small change. And you, Dick? Oh, ain't got much. Old oil rag, a knife, a busted pack of seeds, and four bits. Fred? 
Handkerchief, knife, pencil, and some money. Yes, too much money for a gardener. Fifty dollars? Oh, that's Patton's money. He bribed him. Obviously. Uh, any pockets in your dress, Miss Kilgallen? No. If you tell us what you want, I'm sure... All right. Now, after the three of us ran out and found Patton, we did a quick circle around the outside of the house. We tried to come back in through this terrace door. It was locked and the key gone. That's odd. We used the door a little earlier. Yes, so did the murderer a little later. Fired a shot from the terrace, ducked back in, locked the door, and went to another part of the house. I'm sorry to spoil the game, kiddies. What? What's... But is this what you want? Yeah, the key. Mm-hmm. I found it by the door. Well, what do you know? It had slipped under the carpet, Mike. All right, folks, you can put your stuff back in your pockets. Oh, too bad, Mike. It almost worked. Ah, but it did work. What? In a way we hadn't counted on. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Mike. You know the killer? Positively, darling. The confession is right on top of that table in the secret room. I don't get it, Mike. There's nothing on this table. Just a candle, dust and grit and splotches of wax. That's all, Angel, but it's enough to convict the murderer. Oh, folly daughter. Nobody ain't ever hanged a ghost. Take more than a smart big city detective. Well, I can't believe the motive. I don't think there's any buried treasure. It's quite possible, but Patton and his killer thought otherwise. They wanted no one on this property while they were hunting. So, the haunted house routine. But how could Mr. Patton be so cold-blooded? Father's friend and attorney deliberately scaring him to death. Well, he probably didn't intend to go that far, Miss Kilgallen. Hey, come on, Mike. Who gave Patton the tit for tat, huh? All right, all right. Now, as you notice from these candle drippings, somebody spent plenty of time at this table going over the papers about uh, Black Miguel in the express box. Father, we found that diagram in his handwriting. And somebody else in just the last day or so. Somebody who emptied his pockets onto this table, perhaps searching for a pencil and notepaper. Mike, there's a limit to crystal gazing. You can't... Can't I? Brush your hand over the tabletop. That's it. Now, what have you got in your palm? Dust and grit. All right, now pick out some of that grit and eat it. Go on, go on, it's not dirt. Mm. Seems to me... Yeah. yeah, I'm sure I've tasted this before. Yes, in restaurants, on rolls. It's poppy seed. Oh, oh this is the end. And uh, in whose pockets did we find a broken package of poppy seed? Hey, Dix, the gardener. All right, maybe I was in there. I used to play in this house when I was a kid. It was all busted down. I knew every inch of it. That don't spell nothing. Oh, it does. You were very careful not to tell us about this room, not even Mr. Patton. You're right, mister. Patton hired me to watch Dick and you folks. Figured Dick was cheating. That ain't saying I killed him. Nobody can say that. A dead man's diary can, Dick. The day Mr. Kilgallen died, he wrote that he cleaned all his guns, including the old Derringer. You mean there are only two sets of fingerprints on the gun? Yes. Kilgallen's? And the man who fired it. Yes, Dick. That's exactly what I mean. You know something? That was very sweet of you, Faraday, coming clear out to Moxon Hill just to be Mike's bodyguard. Yes, sir. And driving his pack home in a police car sure beats that bus trip. <laughs> was doggone nice of you, Faraday. Ah, cut the sentiment. Maybe I just want to sell a couple of extra tickets to the policeman's ball. Oh, we need those. As a policeman, Mr. Inspector, and as a detective, Mr. Shane, hmm? there's one thing you did in this case which I don't understand. Only one? Miss Knight, you are improving. Smarty. <laughs> You and Mike knew you could catch old Dick by his fingerprints on the Derringer, so why'd you bother to look for a missing door key and Mike act so big and brainy about the poppy seeds? Honey, never put all your money on one horse. We were both afraid Dick had already wiped his fingerprints off the gun, but we didn't tell him that. Um, Time was a-wasting and it was a good shortcut. uh Uh-huh. Just as I thought. The big city boys had to crack it fast before the local hayseeds took over the case. And uh, your glory. Why, Phyllis, how can you say such a thing? again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis with Joe Forte. Tonight's story was written by Richard DeGraff and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. 
Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Mystery Theater, and another episode in the series, Matthew Slade, Private Investigator. We invite you to take your seat as Matthew Slade unfolds the story, Find Julie Rayton. In my job, the hours are odd. So are the circumstances and the people I meet. You could even call some of them dangerous. My calling card reads, Matthew Slade, Private Investigator. It was 11 a.m. I was calling on a new client. Her name, Lynn Hollander, 23. Attractive and in need of help. That's all Sergeant Sid Dinelli had told me. I was about to find out the rest for myself. Hollander? Yes? I'm Matthew Slade. Oh, yes. Please come in. Won't you sit down? Uh, thank you. I'm afraid I've awakened you. <laughs> no, no. I've been up for some time. Please forgive the dressing gown. I haven't been feeling well. I've been home from work this past week. Well, I hope you're feeling better now. Thank you. I probably should have waited till I was able to come to your office to see you. No, not at all. Sergeant Dinelli said you needed help. Did he tell you everything? Not everything. I'd like to hear it all from you. Well, my roommate, Julie Raiden, has been missing for about a week now. I reported it to the police after the second day, and they told me they'd do everything possible to locate her. And yesterday, Sergeant Dinelli said he'd speak to you about helping find Julie. I've called him at least a dozen times this past week. I'm sure he's tired of hearing from me. Well, he understands your concern. That's why he asked me to help you. I'm just a secretary, Mr. Slade. I take home $63 a week. I tried to tell the sergeant that he... Well, don't worry about fees, Miss Hollander. Sergeant Tonelli does me favors. I do the same for him. Why would he want to do me a favor? Where friends are concerned, reasons aren't important. But if I were to take a guess, I'd say the good sergeant has a weakness or a pretty face. He didn't seem interested in me. He made no pass. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Sergeant Tonelli's married, happily married, with three kids. Some people are suckers for a quivering puppy with soulful eyes. A pretty face turns Sid's feelings to jelly. I see. I know the symptoms well. You see, I'm also afflicted by a pretty face. Really? Well, maybe uh, when we get to know each other better, I can do something about it. I'll keep that in mind. Now, about Miss Raiden. Uh, when did you see her last? It will be a week tomorrow. We were getting ready for work. Julie always left an hour before me. Everything seemed normal that morning? Yes. She didn't act peculiar or say anything that may have struck you as unusual? No. Where does she work? The Marin County Medical Building in Sausalito. She's an assistant to Mr. Caldwell, the pharmacist. Did she report for work that morning? Yes. I've spoken with Mr. Caldwell. She worked the entire day and left at her usual time to come home. I guess he was the last to see her. Did she drive a car? Yes. Could she have left the city to visit relatives? Oh, her parents are dead. She has no close relatives. What do you mean, no close relatives? She has a distant cousin in Barstow. She hasn't been in touch with him in years. Hmm. How about her other associates? She has a few friends. And then I called, claimed to have seen her in the past week. Any boyfriend? A few casual acquaintances. No one's steady. Julie isn't what you'd call a companionable type. She doesn't care much for going out. She's rather shy. I've been trying to pry her out of her shell. You know, get her to go out and mix more. Mm. It just doesn't make sense, Mr. Slade. Julie isn't the type to vanish like this. Perhaps the pressures of big city living became too much for her. But she wouldn't leave like this. Not without telling me, without taking her personal thing. Well, you may be right, but it's a possibility we have to consider. And what about the other possibility? 
The one you haven't mentioned. Anything is possible, Miss Hollander. I know you're aware of that, but, well, there's no reason to believe the worst. Hello? Yes? You have? Oh, I see. Yes, thank you. That was the police. They found Julie's car abandoned. I hoped Julie's car would give me a lead to her whereabouts. Sid was in his office when I arrived. Hi, Matt. Hi, Sid. Uh, I just came from Lynn Hollander's. Oh, how is she? Well, she's convinced something terrible has happened to her roommate. Where'd they find her car? In the uh, parking lot in the Marin County Medical Building. Mr. Caldwell reported it. He's uh, Miss Raiden's employer. Yeah, I know. Lynn told me. So it's Lynn already. My, my, you do work fast. No, not really. She's only promised to do something about my affliction. Well? I'll go into it later. Right now, I'm interested in what you found with the car. Like your little games. Okay, I can wait. Stout fellow. Now about the car? Well, it was clean. Takes us nowhere. She evidently just left it. Well, I'd say it seems as if someone else was involved in her disappearance. What makes you think so? Well, she had to leave the premises somehow. She could have taken a cab or a bus. With her car sitting in the parking lot? Was it running order? Yeah. Well? Mm, possible. <laughs> have you talked with Mr. Colton? Well, only over the phone. There wasn't much more he could tell us. I don't think I'll pay him a visit anyhow. Step in here, Mr. Pollock. Uh, thank you, Lieutenant. Hello, Barney. What are you doing here, Slade? Discussing a case. Really? You can wait. This is Sergeant Donnelly. Sid, this is Mr. Pollock of the Westlake Insurance Company. Uh, pleased to meet you, Sergeant. Mr. Pollock. Mr. Pollock is investigating the accidental death of Dr. Gavin's wife. You know, the one that went over the embankment at Cavella Point last uh, Wednesday. Give him whatever he needs. Right, Lieutenant. Uh, excuse me, ma'am. See you later. Right. Uh, step this way, Mr. Pollock. Uh, thank you, Sergeant. And uh, thank you, Lieutenant. Glad to help. Well, Barney, what's new with you? Are you trying to use this office as your own private information center? Well, now, wait a minute, Barney, old boy. Oh, don't give me that. You know how I feel about you private gumshoes hanging around the department. I'm not hanging around, Lieutenant. Well, make sure you don't. Well, can I go now, or are you going to book me for lawyering? Stop trying to be funny, Slade. I'll stop trying to be funny if you stop trying to be tough. If you're not out of here in ten seconds, I will book you for loitering. All right, I'm going, Lieutenant. Thanks for the warm hospitality. And the next time you're in my neighborhood, uh, drop over. Adios. I wouldn't nominate Lieutenant Flagg for a fellowship award, but uh, he's not as tough as he likes to pretend. Someday I've got to ask him if he takes me as seriously as I take him. I paid my toll and crossed over the Golden Gate on my way to Sausalito. Shafts of sunlight filtered through the cables of the bridge as I drove north. I reached Marin County side and turned off Highway 1, arriving at the medical building a few minutes later. I hoped to talk with Mr. Caldwell would open a door. He was in the rear of the pharmacy. Mr. Caldwell? Yes, may I help you? My card. Investigator. Oh, is this about Julie Raiden, Mr. Slade? Yes. I'll be glad to help you in any way I can. Poor child, I hope no harm's come to her. Is there anything out of the ordinary you can tell me about last Wednesday? No, not that I can remember. Do you see her talking to anyone who may have looked suspicious? No. Any phone calls that may have upset her? I wish I could say yes, to help, but there was nothing like that. Well, what time did she leave? It's closing time, 5.30. Did you see her walk to her car? No, we said goodnight here in the pharmacy. As you can see from this location, it's impossible to see the parking area. Mm -hmm. You phoned the police about her car? Yes, it had been parked in the same spot for a week. Why did you wait so long to report it? Well, I wasn't sure it was Julie's car. I checked the registration just this morning and then telephoned the police immediately. I see. Is there any reason you can think of that would make her leave so suddenly? I've tried to think of something she may have said or done in the past. Nothing comes. Tell me, have you ever been short on any of your stock, Mr. Caldwell? Stock? Yes. I mean drugs. No, why do you ask? I thought Julie may... Oh, no, Mr. Slade. Julie's not that kind of girl, believe me. I expected to hear you say that, but uh, I had to ask. Well, there doesn't seem to be any reason to... Excuse me. Hello. Oh, yes, doctor. Amperin with codeine. Number two. Twelve tablets. As directed. Mrs. Uh, Warnick. Warnick. Yes, I'll have them ready for her. Yes, goodbye, Dr. Gavin. Dr. Gavin? Yes, he has an office in this building. 
You know, he lost his wife just last week. It's a terrible accident. And I heard about it. It seems the cruel hand of fate struck twice in the same place. Mrs. Gavin and Julie. Sometimes it's hard to understand these things. Well, thank you for your help, Mr. Caldwell. I wish I could do more. Well, the pieces don't always fall together right away. You may have helped without realizing it. Caldwell called it the cruel hand of fate. Was it? Mrs. Gavin's death and Julie Radin's disappearance occurring on the same day may have been a tragic coincidence. Before I made up my mind about that, I'd have to find out more about the circumstances surrounding Mrs. Gavin's accidental death. That meant paying another visit to Lieutenant Flagg's Forbidden City. Come in, Matt. Flagg around? Now, he's with the commissioner. On the carpet, I hope. <laughs> what brings you back so soon? Well, I've just come from seeing Mr. Caldwell. Did you learn anything? Possibly. Depends on what you can tell me about that accident at Cavallo Point last Wednesday. The one involving a Dr. Gavin's wife? No, her car missed a curve and plunged over an embankment. It exploded. That's all she wrote. It was an accident. Any witnesses? No, but from the skid marks, it was obvious she was traveling too fast to make the curve. Mm -hmm. What did that insurance investigator think? Uh, Pollock? Yeah. Oh, he made a thorough investigation. He, he thought there might be an attempt to defraud his company. It seems Dr. Gavin had a large accidental death policy on his wife. Very interesting. You convinced it was an accident? Yeah. So is the insurance company. They're paying off to the tune of $100,000. You see the body, sir? Yeah, it was burned quite badly. How was it identified? Dr. Gavin was able to identify her and... Uh... Uh, yes, of course. Well, I don't you see? Well, he could identify her. Uh, you'll probably think I'm completely out of my mind, but I... I have a hunch that the woman in that car wasn't Mrs. Gavin. Well, who then? Julie Radin. Impossible. Maybe. It's a wild hunch, but I know a way I can prove it. Look, give me a court order to have Mrs. Gavin's body exhumed. Now, that is impossible. Why? She was cremated. That's a nice way of getting rid of the evidence, wouldn't you say? Hmm. A dental records check might have proved me right. No, give the force a little credit. We did make a dental records check. It proved conclusively that Mrs. Gavin was the victim. Well, I guess I was out on the limb, which you just very neatly thought of. Hmm? Facts are facts. I really thought I was on to something. Any other leads? Uh, none. Well, listen, Matt, I know you're doing this only because I asked you this. Anytime you want to drop it, it's fine with me. You said anything about dropping it? Oh, I know you're not getting a fee. Look, I don't mind. Hey, you got something going on with this Hollander girl? Could be. Hey, that reminds me. You were going to tell me about that. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, she promised to do something about my affliction. What affliction? Well, the one we both suffer from. We? Yeah, you and me. Didn't you know? We're brothers in malady. What? We have no resistance to a pretty face, Sergeant. Oh, and she's going to do something about that, huh? Mm hmm. Like what? Well, I'm not too sure. But it might be interesting. Hey, sounds wild. Keep me posted, won't you? You'll be the first to know. Well, well, don't you have a home, Slade? I have a home, Lieutenant. You'd never know it by the time you spend around here. Look, Barney, I'm here on business. Whose business? Yours or ours? Both. And do I have to remind you that in my line of work it's not unusual? Everything about your line of work is unusual. Uh, uh, do you gentlemen mind if I step in as a mediator? Stay out of this, Sid. Look, Slade's got as much right to be here as anyone else, Barney. Not to interfere in police business for his own personal gain. Well, then let's just say I came here to pay a social call. During duty hours? Which ended five minutes ago, Barney. I'm on my own time now. Okay, so you're on your own time. We don't use the department to entertain private guests, Sergeant. Aha, uh -huh. I think we've been asked to leave, Mr. Slade. Yes, after you, Mr. Donnelly. Don't get cute, you two. No, we wouldn't think of it. Adios, Barney, old boy. We left Lieutenant Flagg boiling with indignation. Fifteen minutes later, I arrived at Lynn Hollander's apartment. I tried to think of something encouraging to tell her without stressing the truth. The truth that I still had no idea what had become of Julie Radin. Mr. Slade, come in. Have you found out anything? I'm afraid not. Oh. Well, I guess we can't expect miracles the first day. Keep your chin up. And keep smiling? That's right. Now let me see those pearly whites. How's this? Pretty. You can thank my dentist. I just had them cleaned. What is it, Matt? Of course. How oh, stupid. I should have realized. What? Do you know the name of Julie's dentist? No, I, I don't recall. 
Oh, wait. She may have a bill for them. She keeps her bills together. Here. Yes, here. This looks like it. Uh, let me see that. Uh, I thought so. What is it, Matt? I may be crawling out on a limb again, but, well, the coincidence is just too strong. What coincidence? Julie's dentist is Dr. Carl Gavin. Lynn's remark about her dentist triggered my hunch machine. I'd been thinking of Dr. Gavin as an M.D. His being a dentist could explain why his wife's dental records checked out. They were forgeries. I had to let Sid know. I phoned him at home. That's my theory, Sid. What do you think? You're reaching again. Well, you have to admit it's possible. I hate to put the damper on your mouth, but it doesn't come as any surprise to us that Dr. Gavin is a dentist. And he couldn't afford the dental records. Mrs. Gavin wasn't her husband's patient. We got the records from a Dr. Whiting, not Gavin. I see. Does that convince you? No. There's still another possibility. Don't you ever give up. Indulge one more whim of mine, will you, Sid? Go ahead. Meet me at Dr. Gavin's home tonight. What in heaven's name for? Will you do it, Sid? I can't go barging into his house on your whim. You can find an excuse. A favor for a favor? I have a feeling this is going to cost me my back. What's his address? Uh, wait a minute. Uh, I've got it in my notebook. Seven, eight, three, cold Avenue. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll probably be there before you. You wait for me outside. We're going together. I don't want any of your wins getting me into trouble. I've got a feeling this one will win you a medal. Or lose you your life. It took me ten minutes to reach Cove Avenue. I knew it would take Sid at least twenty minutes. I wanted to be inside before he arrived. Gavin's place was a modest one-story beach house in a middle-class bayfront community. A speedboat was tied to a pier that extended from the rear of the house out into the bay. A handwritten card was pinned over the doorbell. Out of order. Dr. Gavin? Yes, uh, can I help you? I'm from the Westlake Insurance Company. Oh, I was expecting a Mr. Pollock tomorrow. I'm sorry if I'm intruding. Uh, may I come in? Yes, uh, since you're here. Well, sit down, Mr. Uh... Uh, Slade. Matthew Slade. Uh, forgive me for not phoning first, but uh, I was only a few blocks away. Oh, that's all right. Uh, do you know if Pollock has heard from your home office? I don't believe he has. Oh, then there will be a longer delay in getting the money. Well, probably. You insurance people really hate to pay off claims, don't you? Well, not at all, Dr. Gavin. We're in business to pay claims. Well, then why the delay? Oh, I'm sure you realize the necessity of investigating accidental death claims. You know, Doctor, there are unscrupulous people who try to defraud insurance companies. Well, are you insinuating that... understand me. We have no way of knowing who is and who isn't, so we investigate every claim thoroughly. Very cautious. Now, why are you here? I'd like to get some more information. Well, look, I've told Mr. Pollock everything. It was my understanding he was only waiting for final confirmation. Well, that's true. However, we found out something that disturbed us a little, Doctor. Perhaps you can acquaint us with the truth. What are you inferring? One of your patients told us that you and Mrs. Gavin were on the verge of separating. Who told you that? I believe her name was Julie Raiden. She's since disappeared. Do you care to make a comment, Doctor? When did she tell you that? Two days ago. She couldn't. She couldn't? Why not? I mean, she... Yes? Just what are you trying to say? All right, Dr. Gavin, I'll be more direct. Julie Raiden is dead and you killed her. That's not true. He obviously knows the truth. Mrs. Gavin? I've been listening to your conversation. I hope you found it interesting. Oh, yes, very. However, I'd hate to have to end such a brief relationship with a bullet from this gun. <laughs> that is, before we even know who or what you are. I'm Matthew Slade, private investigator. Searching for a revolver card. What's your interest in this, Mr. Slade? I've been looking for Julie Raiden. Your search has ended. What are we going to do with him, Ellen? I think we'll take Mr. Slade for a little cruise around the bay. Get the boat ready, Carl. Ellen, do as I say. All right. Now, please put your car keys on that table, Mr. Slade. It wouldn't do to have your car found in this area. You think of everything? Oh, it pays to Mr. Slade. My only hope, my lucky rabbit's foot is on that chain. What method have you devised this time? Why don't we let that remain a surprise? Do you mind telling me what they do here? 
I was playing a hunch. After your trumped-up death and the body being conveniently burned beyond recognition, accurate identification depended upon a comparison with your dental records. That, coupled with your husband being a dentist, and the fact that Julie was one of his patients, and it also disappeared, gave me the idea that Julie could have been substituted for you. And your name put on her dental record. That's not how it was done. Oh, I know. The police exposed part of that theory when they proved the dental records hadn't been tampered with. Then another possibility occurred to me. Why couldn't Dr. Gavin have worked on Julie's teeth, matching them in every detail to your own? Then there would be no need to forge any dental records. They could be kept intact, just in case anyone decided to check. Isn't that the way it was? There's no harm in you knowing it all now, Mr. Slade. We've been planning this for three years. Just waiting till we found the right patient. His practice would never make the kind of living I've always dreamed of. You tricked Julie into leaving the building with you that night. Carl did. He was a very naive girl. We've succeeded in executing a perfect crime. Except for your interference, which will soon be eliminated. Everything's ready. And now for our cruise, Mr. Slade. We walked out onto the pier boarded the boat, and headed out to the bay. The night was black. The water rushing by the hull had an ominous sound. We're out far enough, Carl. This is as good a place as any. End of the line, Mr. Slade. I think it's only fair to tell you I'm a pretty fair swimmer. You haven't been reading papers. There have been numerous reports lately of an overabundance of sharks in this area. Mm. Never occurred to me I'd wind up as seafood. Your courage is admirable. But I know what you're thinking. But not all sharks are man-eaters. I'm not too sure about the ones in this bay. Oh, I propose to remove any doubt. You're going to join Mr. Slade, my dear. You can't be serious. Yes, my love, I'm deadly serious. I may never get another opportunity as perfect as this one. Carl, you wouldn't. You've been a millstone around my neck all these years. I agreed to go along with your plan for the insurance money because I knew I could get rid of you once you'd been presumed dead. You showed me the way, Ellen. And now, my dear... No, Carl, no. Put down that knife, Ellen. Put it down. <gasps> Stay back. They both fell overboard. Mrs. Gavin's knife found its mark in her husband's chest. His shot had ripped through her neck. Now, she was right about those sharks. They were on them in an instant, ripping and slashing. In a few seconds, it was over. As I headed the small craft back to shore, I could see Sid standing on the pier. I knew it would be difficult for him to believe the story I had to tell, but that didn't bother me half as much as what I would have to tell Lynn Hollander. The fact that we would never find Julie Raven. United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. That's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Michael Shane, Matthew Slade, Relic Radio, and everything else at relicradio.com. Don't forget to donate while you're there. It's how this is all made possible. There are no ads on the site, no ads in the shows, because I don't like them. And I'm assuming you don't care for them either, so donate if you'd like to help keep this all going. Thank you to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. <laughs>